Hey everybody, welcome to Sunday service. I imagine this is going to be a light episode just because there's so many people that um, are enjoying their Father's Day Sunday, right? So today is Father's Day. I am a father, but I still am committed to doing Sunday service every single week. And so here we are. We're going to talk about selling a house on a land contract. Land contract's one of the words and more importantly, because there's going to be a lot of people in here that are like, what the heck is a land contract? We're going to talk about what is a land contract. We're going to talk about what are the advantages and disadvantages and how you can make money utilizing a land contract and why would you do a land contract over something else, right? So as we get people in here and we start getting live, um, it is seven o'clock on Sunday evening, Father's Day weekend. And as you can tell, my camera is being funky because I'm in a brand new studio and that's what happens when you're setting up new stuff and new wiring and all that kind of stuff. That's what happens. Those are the things that just absolutely have to happen. So let's get into, oh, wow. Cody Barton is going to join us all the way from Columbia. Wow, dude. Holy moly. I'm here. Good to see you, brother. That's amazing. What time is it there in Medellin? It's 9, 9 p.m. What did you guys do today? Today we chilled because we did a lot yesterday. We saw Pablo Escobar, a couple of Pablo Escobar's old houses, went to the, you know, went on the lake in a boat, saw some, saw some cool stuff. That's amazing. When are you guys coming home? Uh, July 17th. Wow. Um, you know, what's funny is Kelly just made a really good comment. She said, your Wi-Fi looks to be the same as in your penthouse. Really? And Jeremy, Jeremy Davis said, I see he's on his normal Wi-Fi. <laughs> ah, that's yeah. so good. All the haters. Oh, guys, that's so good. Thank you so much for that. That makes my whole day better. I'm mixing um, out of stuff. You know, I'm here. Is it really right. that bad? No, it, it's fine. It, I, can I tell you, to be honest, this is not a joke. I actually can hear you better in Medellin than I can when you're in your penthouse. Well, it's a good thing. I'm moving out of there at the end of the year. So, End of the year? You guys extended your lease? Well, it was supposed to be last month, but yeah, end of the year. What are you, try, what are you guys planning on doing? Are you guys going to buy some big... You know what, dude? You could live in one of those mobile homes at, at our new mobile home park. Yeah, there you go. Perfect. Would you be Would you be up for that? Yeah, I want I want mobile living. I love it. Um, all right, guys. So today we're going to talk. Uh, Cody and I had a long conversation the other day, and the conversation was about how long we should have Sunday service. And so, as long as we've done Sunday service, when we first started, Sunday service used to be three hours, sometimes four hours long. Very long. Very very long, and that's when we would do like tons of case studies. We would break down what was going on in our business. This is two years ago now. And then we went when we switched to a more formal, I guess, medium, YouTube and Facebook Live and all that kind of stuff, we kind of settled on an hour and a half to two hours for the podcast, right? And what I find is, and Cody agrees with this, we had a good conversation. What I find is that it's too much information in an hour and a half. And so what we're going to uh, start doing is we're going to try to condense the information down to one hour. All right. So we're going to try and get this done in one hour. That means we've only got 55 minutes left in this podcast. 
Cody, what are we what are we doing tomorrow? I want to talk about that for a couple of minutes. What are we doing tomorrow? Um, letting everybody know that hopefully got into the to the event. What are we doing tomorrow? We are starting a business from scratch out of left field. We're starting a new wholesaling business from scratch and a new market from the ground zero tomorrow. But why, why would we even do that? I mean, what is the question that everyone out? How do I get started? What do, what do, what, what do I do first? How do I get my first deal? What are, what, what would you do? I mean, I don't know how many times I'm sure you've been asked it a million times pace. If you could go back to when you started, what would you do? How would you get a deal? What, what would those first steps be? Yeah. You know, I, 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 I would say the number one question we get is how do I get started? And then the second question we get is very similar to that. Like what you just said is what are my next steps? Yep. Can somebody tell me the step by step, like grab me by the hand, walk me through the shadow of, you know, the valley of the shadow of death, step by step, tell me exactly what to do. And I'm going to tell you something. I just left a family party because I was stressed out by being next to one of my brother-in-laws. Okay. Because he's, he's been trying to get into the business. Okay. <laughs> so I go, he goes, so should I join your mentorship? I go, no, 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 don't, don't join my mentorship. Go work with my students. Right. Like don't like Cody and I put out so much good information and all the students, you know, especially the mastermind students go work with Tristan here locally, go work with other mastermind students like that are very high level and save yourself some money. But this is interesting. He's been doing that for two months, but he hasn't been watching a step-by-step -step, do this, then do that, do this, then do that process. He's just been out working with people. And I was like, so he goes, I think I just need to join your mentorship, man. Like I get this piece of information here. I get this piece of information here. I then run over here and I get a piece of information. I don't think I even need to know until year two about you know, charities and working with municipalities to do affordable living on their land. And I'm like, yeah, man, that's like advanced stuff. He's like, but that's the information I'm getting. I'm like, okay, we need something that is good for the masses. Something that literally tells you start here. You have nothing. You have no podio. You have no CRM whatsoever. You have no leads. In fact, you don't even have a market that's been selected. And so in my conversation with him, his name's Rob. So Rob, if you, you're um, listening to this, I literally left the family party 40 minutes ago because you were stressing me out. <laughs> That's why I literally left the, I literally, I was like, grab, I told Laura, I go grab Corbin. We're leaving this party right now. I'm leaving. I, I can't, I'm stressed out. Here's what I found out talking to my brother-in-law. He doesn't actually want to start a business. He just wants to buy. He has a really good paying job and he wants to deploy capital and buy deals from the students. And I'm like, then, bro, you don't need to be learning about skip tracing and cold calling and doing all these things. He's like, isn't that where deals come from? I'm like, yes, that's where deals can come from. But you also could just go to my students and say, I want a deal in this area. I have cash and I'll buy a sub two deal from you. I'll buy a seller finance deal from you. He's like, Whoa, that's all I had to do. I'm like, that's why I told you to go work with my students. I, oh my gosh, you're stressing me out. <laughs>
I didn't say that. I just grabbed my child and I left. I was getting stressed out. So guys, the reason Cody and I are doing this is that we've been giving away free content for so long. But people want to know what are the one, two, three, watch me do it steps. So Cody, let's talk about just for a couple minutes, what are we going to try and accomplish tomorrow on day one? Are we going to lock up a deal on day one? Absolutely not. <laughs> okay, we're not locking up a deal on day one, guys. Don't get to your your don't get too excited. What are we going to accomplish? Yeah, so I mean, uh, a few of the biggest action items is one, me, you, and Matt, we're gonna have a conversation live about okay, what is the market that we're gonna go into? The market that we're going to go into what city in that you know in that state are we going to go into and then we're going to have a conversation about okay well we need leads right so we're going to be getting a call set up with start virtual when we first get started tomorrow um so we're able to you know work on getting leads coming in as quickly as possible and then go set up you know talk about the systems that we need to get set up um and then you know look at getting an llc set up for that market as well so we're just all the foundational stuff tomorrow, really. And just, you know, are talking about our goal and our intention for, for the time. Yeah. So I want to point something out. So like a couple of things that we're going to do tomorrow are going to be like, get an LLC started, right? So that by the time yep. we get our first deal in our new market, our LLC will be done and formulated. So we're going to show you guys how to do that. We're going to set up a bank account. Um, we're going to show you guys what a partnership agreement looks like. So Matt, Cody, and myself are going to sign a partnership agreement. So that shows you guys exactly how three people can partner with each other. We're going to give these documents away, by the way. We're going to just straight up give these documents away. Our partnership agreement, how much did that cost us at Sean St. Clair's office? How much did that one document alone cost? few thousand dollars. I can't, I can't even remember. It's been a couple of years, but anytime we amend it, I can tell you it's a few hundred dollars every amendment. That so we guys, do. we will give you our most recent updated amended partnership agreement between Cody, Matt, and myself. You guys can take that, download it, and you can edit it however you want. Save yourself thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on the first day of watching this live. We're going to give that document away. Then we're going to go on like fiverr.com and we're going to pay the worst possible person to build our logo just to prove a point that the logo doesn't matter, but we're going to have the logo. We're going to get a, a website built. We're going to do all of that kind of stuff. Literally all in day one, we're going to get the foundation and the stupid things that everybody worries about out of the way. Okay. That's day one. So I'm getting a lot of DMs of people saying, I am so excited. I am so excited. I'm so excited about this thing. I'm like, before you get too excited, I just want to let you know, this is literally the step-by-step -step, who cares about the algorithm type of content, because let's talk about that for a second. Cody, when you're creating YouTube content, are you sitting there saying, I really need to deliver exactly what people need? Or are you like, man, I need to say this as fast as possible, as punchy as possible so that I don't lose people's attention and they stop watching my YouTube video. Yes, that's, that's exactly it. <laughs> so guys, in our three-hour live every single day, we don't care how boring it might get. You asked for a step-by-step -step process and that is what we're going to give you. There is going to be some boring stuff that you simply just are like, I wish I didn't have to watch Pace and Cody 
sitting in their office farting, waiting for their phone to ring. Like there's going to be those moments of full transparency and slow boredom while things are being set up and you're going to see the raw real deal. Now, Cody, how much of our time outside of those three hours on a daily basis, how much of our time will be dedicated to that new business outside of those three hours? None. Three hours a day. None. So if a seller calls us based on our outreach and you know maybe it's a transaction coordination issue or a title company or something someone somewhere calls us and needs something desperately at three o'clock in the afternoon but it's not during the three hours that we already allotted to build this business what are we doing with that call i mean i know we're gonna have our the virtual assistants in place to help handle that stuff so we're gonna have someone else handling it during that time right so guys, we're going to show you every part of the business. We're going to show you even the, and why did we choose three hours a day, Cody? Well, I mean, one of the, one of the biggest reasons I think of is the people that talk about getting their business started, but I work nine to five. Well, this you could do between five and eight every day, Monday right. through Friday. And we're not working weekends either. Three hours a day, Monday through Friday. We are thinking about doing a Saturday um, Q&A for people because here's the thing is we're, we don't want to just sit there and answer questions the whole time. We really oh, yeah. literally just want to build our business. We only have three hours to work, so we need to be working. We don't want to be stopping and asking questions to people that are like, what's an LLC? Uh, you guys are setting up an LLC. What's an LLC? Is it an S Corp or a C Corp? Right? We don't, we're not going to answer those questions for you. It's yeah. going to be you watching us. We're going to explain like, all right, guys. So right now we're going to call this our CPA. We're going to get another LLC set up. If you want, here's the document, whatever. But we're not going to stop and answer questions. So we are thinking about getting a group, uh, whoever wants to out of the army. We are thinking about doing a Q&A on Saturday to answer questions that people might have had for the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday lives that weren't able to get all their questions answered so that we can clear that week out, press the reset button and start all over again on Monday where we, where we left off on Friday. So question, Cody, when do you think we'll actually have leads that we can start working in our business? Like how fast do you think we can start working leads? I think we'll be working leads by middle of the week, Wednesday, Thursday, we'll be working leads. That's impossible. Because there's, there's people in this live right now that have been working this business for three, four, five, six months and watching Never YouTube videos and, and they still haven't gotten their lead flow fixed. How, how is it possible that in three days we can have leads coming into our business? I mean, you're going to have to find out tomorrow. <laughs> oh, sorry, my light died, guys. No worries. That happens in Medellin. But one thing that doesn't happen is the loss of internet. You at least have solid internet think it's crazy. Cody had to travel to Medellin to get good internet. So that's the only reason I'm actually here. So, <laughs> so, uh, guys today in our 37 minutes that we have left over, I'm sorry, 43 minutes that we have left over, we're going to talk about what is a land contract and why the hell do you use it? So Cody, you can, uh, hang tight because I'm going to be going ham on this like really hard. So let's check this out real quick. Let's see if I can get my, my camera hasn't been working today properly. 
So let's see if we can get that working first and foremost. Yeah, get that going. Come on, baby. Do I look sunburned or what yeah, you bro, you look he- you look hella colored. It looks amazing. You looks amazing. Um, get some down here. Hey, I'm gonna. Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna restart my computer. I want you to stay here, and I want you to just go through the side chat and see if there's any questions that you can answer. And then I'll come back and I'll start explaining what a land contract is. But I want to restart my computer because I think there's something funky going on with my computer, my laptop. The most important thing I want is I want access to my iPad so I can actually draw stuff out. So give me like five minutes. I'll be right back. Let's do it. <laughs> if anyone has any questions, happy to get those questions answered for you. And if you're not already, I'm sure Pace always forgets this stuff. So I'm going to just throw it out there. If you're not already, you can subscribe to the Sunday service show on Spotify and iTunes. Um, We're official with that as of a few months ago. So we're pretty stoked about that. Um, If you're driving to work and you're listening to the radio, you're wasting your time. Drive to work. Listen to uh, something that'll teach you something. Get some education on the way to work, the way home from work. So you can listen to us on Spotify and iTunes. Um, Nicholas, uh, will these lives be recorded? Um, we will record the full three weeks of starting up this new business. And just so everybody knows on here, Pace threw this on me like two weeks ago. I've had this trip planned to be out of the country for like a month. Um, I left July or June 8th. I'll be back home in Arizona on July 17th. And like two weeks ago, two and a half, three weeks ago, Pace is like, hey, Cody, Matt, we should start a business from scratch. And then I was like, yeah, sure. Like, yeah, let's do that in like August when I'm when I'm back in in America. And Pace tells me and then all of a sudden I see Pace start promoting like, you know, two weeks ago. Hey, we're going to start a business from scratch. And I'm like, okay, we're going to start a business from scratch. Great. Yeah, I know we're doing that. And then the night before I leave to be a gone for a month and a half, he says, we're going to do it starting June 21st. So while I'm out of, out of the country, we're going to build a business from scratch in three weeks while everything else going on. So it's going to be super exciting. Um, but just wanted to give some, some context on, on that. Matt, we'll take care of the Turbo S in the meantime. <laughs> How was that car? I'm excited for that. Dude, it is so fast. I it's really I'm really pumped. Cool. I bro, I've always been a huge fan of Porsche and just never I guess I just never made the money to afford one and now my partner's got one so I'd never have to buy one. Dude, I've driven a Lamborghini Aventador, a Lamborghini Huracan. I've driven Aston Martins, a lot of different cool cars. Oh, we just lost space. Uh, do marketing. I'm going to look at a couple of these quite. Oh, and I'm, we're back. I'm here. I've been hearing you the whole time. I've just been oh, trying okay. to mess with my camera. So I've driven a lot of different fun cars, and that Porsche, the Turbo S, beats all of them. Just ridiculous like ridiculous fast <laughs> amazing let's see here okay so guys we're gonna get into this i unfortunately am gonna be super frustrated um with the fact that i can't use my ipad i can't explain to you guys with my ipad how, how am i gonna explain anything without my freaking ipad 
Um, but we'll figure it out. It's going to be easy. Oh, you know what I can do? I can screen share my iPad. Let's do there that. There you go. Pull it up while I get to this. Jeremy, favorite food here? I mean, coffee probably more than food. That would be the that would be the biggest thing. Ray Martinez podcast name Sunday Service. That's Spotify or iTunes. You could find sun, find uh, Sunday Service on there. Matt Beard's on. What's up, Matt? Jeremy says Cody buy a Remac. I don't even know what that is. It's probably something to do with an Android. Knowing Jeremy, probably. Someone saying, what's the market like in Colombia? You can maybe get an Airbnb. You could buy properties super affordable here. I like it's it's actually something to consider, but I don't know because I don't know how stable the, the government is here because it seems like every five to 10 years there's some government issue happening or social issue going on here. So it's I think it's a little bit unstable, but I think it's going in the right direction. I actually met a guy that owns Airbnbs in the US and he owns a hostel here. Um, and so he just makes money residually from those and lives in Medellin, has a Medellin girlfriend, just hangs out. <laughs> and he bought his hostel on seller finance, so. John, is there anyone in the community that can manage international Airbnb? Yeah, Noah. Noah Hoffman can. Yes, he can. Here's what we do. Boom. All right, cool. Check it out. <laughs> I know this is annoying, and I wish that it, this wasn't going on, but it is going on, and I'm dealing with it, so I'm very sorry, guys. It's okay. Here. We're here. Ingrid, I have boots on the ground in Cali, Colombia. I... Never, uh, never been over there. It's not as safe as Medellin. Oh, Jared Harris is on. If anyone has, uh, has a love for mobile homes like we do, it's Jared Harris. All right. I'm going to have to troubleshoot this another day. I'm not going to troubleshoot it right now. It's um, new studio guys. So sorry. Moved into a new house and I've gotten weird things going on where my camera, which normally runs my iPad is not allowing me to connect. And so what ultimately happens is I can't write things out and I really want to. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about what a land contract is. All right. Everybody, what a land contract is, is the, is the type of a purchase. Okay. You can buy a property on a land contract, and you can also sell a property on a land contract. What does that actually mean? What it actually means is that you can actually do a sub two or a seller finance on a land contract. Super interesting. It's called an executory contract. It's called many, many names. So I'm going to go through and I'm going to list these names out for you. Okay. And then I'm going to list you out, list out all the names of what a land contract is. And then I want everybody to take notes, okay? Everybody needs to take notes on this because you will be amazed at how many names there are, okay? So an agreement for sale is what we call it in Arizona. An agreement for sale, I got to write these down on my own thing so I don't lose track of them. Agreement for sale is number one, 
That's what we call it in Arizona. It's where it's called a lot of things. Contract for deed is another one. Um, land contract is another one. Agreement for deed is another one. Let's see if the, anybody in the chat can name any of them. I've got four so far. And remember, all of these are called, ultimately, they are all under the same exact umbrella of what is called an executory contract. And we're going to talk about what an executory contract is exactly in a couple of minutes. But let's go through and come up with all the names that anybody's ever heard of that are land contracts. So, um, Pace, do you still have your whiteboard? Yes, Edwin. I don't know what it is about Edwin, but I swear to you, he always asks a question about something I just answered. He just tunes in like literally right after I answer it. Guys, I have my, I, I ha here, I'll show you. This is where I do all my little whiteboard stuff. It's right here on my iPad. Unfortunately, I just moved into a new studio, okay? So I'm not going to be able to give, use the iPad today where I use my whiteboard. And so just be patient with me. I'm so sorry. I know it's very against the teaching style that I have to not have that iPad, but today I don't have it. And I'm so sorry that the topic of the day is the topic of the day. So we've got an agreement for sale, contract for deed, land contract, agreement for deed, installment sale. That's another one. Installment sale. Um, let's see, contract for deed, agreement for deed. Um, I swear there's like five that I'm missing. Bond for deed. There we go. Robert's got one. Bond for deed. That's what they call it in Louisiana. And ultimately, there's about 10 more. Okay. These are the ones that are used the most. Agreement for sale is Arizona and multiple other states. Contract for deed, land contract, agreement for deed, installment sale, bond for deed. All of these ultimately mean I can buy somebody's property on any one of these. They're called executory contracts. I can buy their property on an executory contract. And what that means is that, uh, Layton kind of says the same thing. Installment contract is the same as a, 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 a installment sale, exact same thing. So when you're doing an installment sale, you use an installment contract. So those are essentially the same exact thing. Um, Layton Allen has another one called contract for sale. Um, I've actually never heard of contract for sale. I've only called contract for deeds. Okay. Memorandums of contract, that would not be the same thing. A memorandum is not an actual um, contract. A memorandum is um, rent to own is very, very different. That's a great point. Technically, a rent to own is an executory contract. Okay, It is technically an, uh, an executory contract. And what does an executory contract mean? Everybody pay attention to this. An executory contract is a contract that has not been executed in its entirety. Okay. Option to purchase and rent to own are basically the same thing, Jared Harris and um, Mark Rice. Um, people call them different things. So lease option, option to purchase, rent to own, those are all kind of marketed the exact same way, okay? Those are all executory contracts. And what it means is that we have a contract that has not been completed because there's an outstanding event that has to happen. That's it. That's what an executory contract is. So in the world, there's two worlds. There's lease option. You can do it in Texas, Mark Rice. We've had um, Texas attorneys come in and actually walk through how to do it in Texas. You can do it in Texas. You just have to do it a very 
specific way. Okay. Because there was some knucklehead in Dallas, Texas that screwed over a whole bunch of people back when they had this massive storm. And he screwed over a bunch of people. So Texas basically said, hey, if you're going to do executory contracts, you have to do them in a very specific way. So go watch that Zoom. We had Scott Horn and we had John Jackson. We had another person come in and talk all about that. But you can do it. Can you do it on Friday? Sandro Petrovic says, can you do it on Friday? Great question. I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so you have two forms of executory contracts. You have uh, an executory contract where you are you have an option to purchase the property. Guys, Dexter Gatlin is asking a question. Let's let's solidify this. He says, can this be done in Virginia? Dexter, not only can this be done in Virginia, it can be done in every single state in the United States. We currently own a company called constantclose.com and we do these contracts in every single state. There is not a, there's not a single state, Texas as well, that you cannot do an executory contract. Okay. And there are massive, massive benefits to doing them. Somebody's going to ask this question. Can you, can it be done in Florida? Oh my gosh. Francisco Yasso, why would somebody do a land contract with a seller? Well, Francisco, we're going to get there, my brother. Unfortunately, when I start answering those types of questions, which I will get to in about 20 minutes, people ask the question of what is a land contract? So Francisco, you might know what a, fran a land contract is, but there's people in this 250 person strong audience that still don't quite understand what that contract is. So give me a couple of minutes to lay the runway so that we can have a nice little beautiful takeoff and answer that question. Why would we do a land contract? Okay. The number one reason why you would do a land contract for Francisco, just so you decide you might want to tune out, do on sale clause. A land contract or an executory contract completely obliterates the risk associated with the due on sale clause. You will never have the due on sale clause ever happen to you if you buy a property on a land contract instead of a sub two or a seller finance, okay? There's one reason why somebody would do a land contract with a seller. That's one, and we'll get to more down the road, but there's a little carrot for you, okay? So there's two forms of um, executory contracts we just talked about. One, where I have the option to buy. And they're, all, they're called multiple different things. This is why creative finance is so challenging. Cody, you remember that one day we were sitting in your condo? I was like, man, why the hell are there so many different names for all these, the exact same thing? This is why nobody can figure out this creative finance stuff. Dude, yeah. me, you, and Anna, I was like, we're going to freaking teach everybody how to do this because this is so confusing. Oh, yeah. It's ri ridiculous. I mean, they're, it's like... I think you know what it is, is it's like every 10 years, there's maybe another guru that comes out and creates like the next thing to call it. Like down like payment arbitrage is the new one, right? So, and I, look, I love Sean Terry, consider him a friend, but he came out a couple years ago, like Cody said, and he started talking about down payment arbitrage. Guys, he created a new set of words for something that's existed for a very, very long time. And Cody, great point. I didn't mean to cut you off. Finish that point, please. Oh, no. I mean, it's, I think it's just a, there, as there's new educators and gurus, there has to be new taglines of like the, the, the new way that something is called. But there's really only a few different strategies, just their 
called a lot of different things. Right. Um, so Zelko says, Pace, you need to have an old school whiteboard for backup. I do. The problem is it's not set up. I just moved into a new house, guys. Please give me a break. I just moved in. It just moved in. I had a big party here and that's basically it. So um, hold on a second. We're going to get there, guys. I promise you. I promise. I promise. So that is why this is so challenging. Creative finance is so challenging because when you talk about a lease, guys, it's called a lease option. Why do we want to call every everything else under the book? It's a lease option is also rent to own as also a, uh, what, what what's the other one that people were saying? What are all the names for lease options that we've heard a hundred different? Option to purchase. Option to purchase. Guys, it's the same thing. It's a lease option, okay? When somebody says, oh, it's a rent, I'm doing a rent tone. They're doing a lease option. When somebody says I'm doing an option to purchase, it's a lease option. It's a lease mother freaking option. Stop changing the name. It's a lease option, okay? Why is a lease option an executory contract? Because it means it has the full contract has not been executed or finalized. There is still something pending in the contract to finalize the full agreement. And a lease option is a really good way to, to set that up. It means in a lease option, you are my tenant, but I'm giving you a defined amount of time to rent the property from me. And at some point, purchase the house from me at a defined price where we set that price up on the day we set up the agreement. So Cody and I, we used to do a lot of lease options and we realized that we wanted to do a lot more Airbnbs and we wanted to do some other things. So we are not doing as many lease options as we did last year and the year before, but our lease options were typically three year minimum. Most of them were five years. So that's a five year lease option. We gave our tenant five years to rent the property from us and ultimately give them five years to repair their credit, get a raise, um, get a secondary income, get married, bring another in, you know income into the house, whatever, and then get qualified to purchase the home from us at a price we set on the day we signed the original contract. So that means that that full agreement, the lease option, will not be executed for up to five years. That is what an executory contract is, is something that has a pending item to finalize the original agreement. So lease option is one way to go. And there is no difference between a rent to own. There's no difference between a lease option and no difference between an option to purchase. They're all the exact same thing. So no matter what guru on YouTube is telling you a different name to make it sound like they have a new program, guys, they're all lease options, okay? They've been around for a long time. That is one form of an executive con uh, executory contract. Another form of an executory contract is when I am actually purchasing the property. So we um, let's say that I'm worried about the due on sale clause. Let's say that that's something that really, really scares me. If I buy um, any property subject to, subject to, as I hope everybody, the 250 people watching live all already understand, is that subject to is the process in which I take over somebody else's property by taking the deed. And what's the deed, guys? It's the receipt. The proof of ownership is the deed. So I get the deed, which shows that I'm the owner. 
However, the debt with Wells Fargo or Bank of America or Chase or whatever is still in the seller's name. So if that debt is still in the seller's name and I, as the owner now, am simply just paying the debt, I never had to qualify for that purchase. That's basically what a subject to is, okay? We've talked about that ad nauseum. We've talked about that, okay? So if you're new and you don't know what subject to is, don't worry about it. We've done probably 15 dedicated Sunday services just to what subject to is, multiple case studies. So go watch those on previous episodes, okay? But uh, if I'm worried about the do on sale clause, which means Wells Fargo is going to find out that Pace or Cody took over the ownership of that property without qualifying or paying off the old loan, they can come and sue me take me through foreclosure and take the house back through a process called due on sale or also known as the acceleration clause saying, we want you to pay our debt because you transferred the ownership to somebody who never had to qualify for that debt. And so many people, so many people are deathly afraid of the due on sale clause. So if you are worried about the do-on-sale clause, there's about 100 different ways to handle it, but one of the easiest ways to handle the do-on-sale clause is to never deal with it in the first place, and the way you do that is with an executory contract, okay? In Arizona, we call them an agreement for sale, and that this is what it means. It means I'm going to take over your mortgage, and I'm going to make your, I'm, gonna, I'm not, I'm not going to take over your mortgage, I'm going to pay your mortgage down and you are going to give me an agreement that states, Pace, once you pay off this mortgage, the house gets, the deed will then transfer to you after the mortgage is paid. Okay, you, can, you guys can see now why it's called an executory contract is because the full contract has not been completed until I pay off the debt and I then get the deed in my name. Okay, so what is cool about that is because the deed, which shows who the owner is, never transferred to my name. The bank never knew that I was technically the legal owner. Now, how do I how am I the legal owner if I don't have the deed? How am I the legal owner if I don't have the deed? The way that I'm the legal owner is that my agreement for sale states that I have the right to record the agreement for sale, the agreement between me and the seller. I have the right to record that document against the property to secure my position in that property. Okay. So agreement for sale, land contracts, contracts for deeds, installment sales, bond for deed, all of these documents, which are literally the exact same thing. They're just called something different down payment arbitrage, except it legally is not called a down payment arbitrage. No attorney, no title company, no county recorder's office is going to know what a down payment arbitrage is. That is not a legal term for this, but it is something that I like that Sean Terry explains because people it helps people understand this. Okay, So that agreement, whether you're in Arizona, it, that agreement is called an agreement for sale. If you're in Florida, it's called a land contract. And if you're in um, Michigan, it's a contract for deed. Or uh, I think West Virginia, where Dylan is, I think they do uh, either land contracts or contract contracts for deed. Whatever it's called in your state, 
that document, okay, and if you're a sub two student, you have access to all of these documents nationwide, okay? Agreement for sales, contract for deeds, land contracts, we have all of these in the sub two course. That agreement between you and the seller saying, I'm going to buy the property from you and take over your old mortgage, if you're so afraid of the due on sale clause, this is the way to buy the property because the deed will not transfer until you pay off the old mortgage. But the way you protect yourself is the agreement that you sign gets recorded at the county recorder's office and protects you from the seller refinancing, selling it to somebody else, you know, changing anything with the mortgage at all. That agreement for sale protects you. So when a seller says, well, I don't want you to have a property with my mortgage on the debt and you have the deed and you can't get your salesmanship up to a level you can overcome that, the way to overcome that is by utilizing an agreement for sale where you told you tell the seller, hey, why don't we do an executory contract? Except I've never told the seller what an executory contract is. I just say, let's do an agreement for sale in Arizona, or let's do a land contract in Florida, or let's do a contract for deed in Michigan, okay? Whatever the state is, I say, well, let's do this. How about you give me the deed once I pay off your debt? And while I still owe the debt on your home, which now is my home, you hold the deed in your name for security reasons, okay? Now, does that sufficiently, sufficiently answer why we would do an executory contract with the seller instead of a straight sub two where we just take over the debt? Has that answered the question? I see the viewership has gained 50 people since I started going on this rant. So I imagine people are getting some value out of that. Great questions. Great questions. Aaron Strack says, yes. Phil says he likes it. Okay, so Ingrid says, do you use a servicer? You can tell she's one of my students. Um, great question. Ingrid, the answer is absolutely yes, you should use a servicer for every single transaction. Every single transaction you ever do with a, in creative finance, you should always, always, always use a servicer. And if you guys really wanna talk about servicers, I, and you're a sub two student, I'll probably bring in not on Sunday service because Sunday service is a really hard show to get guests to show up to because it's Sunday at 7 p.m. What we'll do is we'll bring a servicer to the sub two mentorship and we'll let you guys grill them on any question you have about servicing. And I'll do a whole dedicated series just on servicing. Okay. If that's something that you want to see, I will bring that to you. The answer is yes. Okay. Phil says, Pace, what's your take on letting the bank know you take over a loan sub two? Some people say it's not a great idea to illegal hide it from them. Phil, can I give, be really honest with you? And you can go back to the people that told you that, whether it's on a YouTube video or a book or whatever. There's a handful of people that think this methodology is smart because they make an argument. There's something in the mortgage state, uh, the mortgage documents with the seller's old mortgage that states if, um, Actually, no, there's, there's states, like individual states that um, say it's okay to take over somebody's mortgage as long, and they can't call the due on sale clause as long as you give them written notice. Bro, that, like, 
they're the context in which they're pulling that from is so incorrect bro i'm not i'm not hiding anything from people i'm making it public knowledge i'm transferring the deed on public record no we never have and we never will ever call the bank and have this conversation of hey i took over the debt on this seller's home and the reason being phil who would you call who would you talk to let's call chase right now let's call wells fargo right now uh cody what's the mortgage on your house on mcclellan who's the mortgage carrier it's he a, doesn't, it's a he doesn't even know guys a servicer has pulled off like three times it's on some servicer okay so that's actually a great point his the person who holds the mortgage has changed three times since he bought this this personal sub two of his two years ago so are we going to just call the sir they don't care first and foremost they don't care secondly who are you actually going to call have you ever called a bank and gotten a hold of anybody that's worth four dollars an hour the answer is no sorry there's probably somebody in here that works at a bank in that position i'm very sorry but no, Phil, the answer is no. And it doesn't give, it doesn't bring you any benefit. And if you do have somebody that says that there's a benefit, I would love to have a conversation with them. Let's get them on as a guest on Sunday service. Cody and I have done more creative finance deals, real creative finance deals than anybody I know. I know a lot of people online talking about creative finance deals, but when you get behind closed doors, none of them will show you their HUDs like we do. I just, we, I just bought this home subject to and seller finance we just bought two mobile home parks the other day seller finance we just bought five other houses the other day the same it just goes on and on and on and we show you guys settlement statement after settlement statement after settlement statement so if you guys find somebody that has an opinion my first question to them is where can I go watch one of your lives where you break down a subject to where you purchased it you give us the address Guys, you want to see an address? You want to see a little settlement statement of all the sub twos that we buy? Go back to previous episodes of Sunday Service. That's what we do. We pull the settlement statement up on the thing. We give you the address. You can go see the LLC that we own owns that house. We have transparently and willingly given you the information behind um, our computer screen. You can see everything. So when you take advice or you learn from pe people, Ask them, where can I see the actual documents and the settlement statements of the houses you are giving me um, references to? We will give you addresses, public data, information that will prove to you everything that we're saying is true. Other people give you examples of things that they haven't done in a lot of times 10 plus years. It is super interesting to see the information that's being spread out there. Um, Mark Rice, what a great question. Cody. Let's see if Cody knows this answer. Cody, if I buy a house on an agreement for sale, do I get the tax benefits of, of like depreciation on that house? No. no. The answer is 99% of the time, the answer is no. There are some workarounds, but they are the, the squeeze is not worth the effort. Okay. Um, so Kevin Cho says, is buying a car a contract for deed? Yes, it's it's not a contract for deed because there are no deeds with, with housing, but it is a contract for title, which means you are the car owner, except you owe us a debt. And we're not going to send you the title on that car until you pay off the debt. But hold on. Cody, do you have a car loan on that Porsche? Yes. 
Okay, so are you the owner of the Porsche? Yes. On title registration, yes, but I don't hold the title. I don't hold the actual physical title. The bank holds the physical title. Okay, so that's a, this is a great example of a contract for title or an executory contract. Cody doesn't, and he'll never pay that per, that Porsche off. What are you planning on doing with that? You're going to sell it in like a year or something, right? Yeah, like probably nine nine months to twelve months. I'll sell it. Walk me through this real quick, because I'm I, I I'm watching. I'm driving a Prius to save money so I can you know whatever. And you're telling me you can go buy a hundred and fifty thousand dollar car and sell it for more money you bought it for nine months earlier. Walk me through that because I need to buy myself a Porsche this week. Well, I mean, on that deal, it was just, it was the deal. I bought the deal. I went shopping for a McLaren or an R8 and- Did you find that going through like batch leads or how'd you find, how'd you, <laughs> how'd you skip trace the deal? How'd you find that deal? What list did you pull to get that deal? <laughs> oh, no. Um, had a Had a car finder service. Basically- as you'd find a good deal through a wholesaler, there's a guy that I went through on on the deal. But I mean, that's what we do for a living is get good deals. So I just wanted to get a good deal. So uh, you know, I like to. I actually drive a lot. You don't. You never leave. You're like uh, Batman. You just are always in your cave. You know. Um, so are you going to actually put miles on this car, or is this just like a pretty thing to take Hyel out to dinner with? Oh yeah. No, I mean, it's at 9,000 miles. I bought it for 158.7 and then I had to ship it from Florida. So I'm like into the car for like 160. And so it has 9,000 miles. It's a 2016 Porsche Turbo S. Those are selling for around 170 or in the mid 170s with higher miles. So I could probably put 5,000 miles on it and sell it and probably be close to a break even. Amazing. I can put 10,000 on it and probably lose a few grand, but is it really lost because I put even more miles on it? Not really. Love it. So during the nine months that you own that car, are you sure you own that? Because you, you don't hold the physical title. Definitely feels like I own it. You do own it. Everybody, he, of course you own the car, guys. When you buy a car, even though you have a car loan and you don't hold the physical title, that is called an executory contract. It means you don't get something until you do something. It means that the full contract has not been executed. It is an executory contract. So uh, buying a car is a good version of this, okay? Um, Jake B says, if I wanted to buy a property direct from seller before it went to an H HOA foreclosure, was looking to buy just the certificate of title. Any suggestions on best to do so? So first and foremost, Jake, you want to get a contract with a seller. Okay, go to the seller, work out a price because the seller is going to have to be the one that gives you the uh, ability to buy this. Go to a title or a closing attorney and find out how much it's going to cost to redeem the property from foreclosure. And you've got to come up with that money. There was a there was a three month period where Cody, myself, and Matt did forty five subject to deals in three months. Okay, forty five. We did like 15, 17, 18, back to back to back to back. It was great. A couple of like three months. It was when Matt was running the door knocking team and we were knocking foreclosures. When we bought those sub two deals out of foreclosure, we caught up the mortgages. Okay, we brought in private lenders. We caught up those mortgages. Um, so yeah, you're gonna have to catch up the mortgage. Jeremy Davis, Pace, if a seller is perfectly fine with signing a sub two, is there ever a time that you actually choose a land contract and said, the answer is absolutely 0% of the time will I ever go for a land contract? 
Um, in fact, we have bought two properties on land contract or agreement for sale ever. And the, the, the funny thing is, the one of them, we originally bought it on sub two and it got the due on sale clause called. So we deeded the property back to the homeowner and then bought it on an agreement for sale. We originally bought it sub two because I personally don't ever want to buy on a land contract because I, Cody and myself, care about the depreciation so greatly that we will just simply overcome any objections that the seller has regarding subject two. It's a very simple process, but we will, however, sell on a land contract. Okay. So you guys just got the answer. Would I buy on a land contract? Typically, never would I ever buy on a land contract unless a seller says, I don't want you to have the deed in your name while you're paying down my, my other loan. Okay. If the seller says that and we can't overcome that, purchasing on a land contract is a really great thing. Or if you're just um, afraid of the due on sale clause and you just can't get over that, the, that whole thing, then buy the houses on executory contracts. It's very simple. However, you don't get the depreciation, which is a big, big benefit for us. So when we're selling a property on an on executory contract, the benefit to us the biggest benefit on selling a land contract or agreement for sale or installment sale agreement, blah, 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 blah. let's just call it an executory contract because they're all the exact same thing. The biggest benefit to selling on a land contract or a, a agreement for sale, all the same thing again. I know that it's so confusing when you hear all this terminology. Executory contract. When you sell that way, two major benefits. One, you can keep the depreciation. And two, your process to foreclose on somebody is almost nothing. Because the process of a foreclosure is to get the deed and control of the property back. But if I never release the deed and control of the property entirely, I only have an agreement that states this purchaser, this buyer, this homeowner can only have this recorded document against this, the, the county recorder's office if they um, follow the guidelines of our agreement. If they don't follow the guidelines of our agreement, which is paying the mortgage and paying me my monthly cash flow, then their contract becomes null and void. It's not a foreclosure. So with a land contract or executory contract, I don't have to foreclose on my buyer. I don't have to go through the foreclosure process. They don't have the deed. So we will sell a property on a land contract way, 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 way more often than we'll ever acquire a property on a land contract. Hopefully that answers your question, Jeremy. Um, Leighton Allen, it is not illegal to violate the due on sale clause. It is only a clause in the mortgage. Yes, that is correct. Leighton Allen, actually, you are correct. The most they can do is foreclose on the mortgage, which you have six months to refinance if you want. Or you don't have to refinance it. You can simply do what we did, where you deed the property back to the homeowner and you repurchase it on an executory contract, which is what we're talking about tonight. You can also purchase it on repurchase it, which we did on what was that um, property? Sandman. The uh, uh, the one that we had to return like turn back into an agreement for sale. 
we turn it, we turned that one into a lease option. Yeah, that was that was a house in Apache Junction. I don't remember the name of it. Um, it was beautiful view. Lost Dutchman. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Lost Dutchman was the name of the property. We had the due on sale clause called on us on this property, guys. We bought it subject to very small bank calls the due on sale clause. Oh my gosh, Cody, we got the due on sale clause. How did you ever? Um, uh, how did you ever recover from that and then buy a hundred and fifty thousand dollar Porsche Turbo S? I thought uh, the due on sale clause is a, is a game changer. It kills your life. It ruins your whole entire existence. Just restructure the deal. <laughs> Right. So guys, we, we restructure the deal. We, we reached out to the seller, which we told them, we tell every seller, Hey, there's a possibility the due on sale clause could happen here. And if so, we'll come back and we'll work with you and we'll get the deed put back in your name, which was what we did. We put the deed back in the seller's name. It got rid of the due on sale clause. Do you remember how we purchased and structured that deal? I don't honestly remember. It's a really good one. We, we, we repurchased. This is, this was a creation of my own uh, device. I worked with Eileen Brown. We set up a 15 year, I'm sorry. We set up a 25 year auto renewing lease option. And our option price was what? Our option price was the um, existing mortgage balance after 25 years. How do you like that one? Ninja, ninja stuff. It's a good one. We, we could have done an agreement for sale and it would have accomplished the exact same thing. But I was working with Eileen. I was like, what can we do that's like really creative? I want to talk about this for years and years and years. And we ended up doing a video all about this where we got the, we transferred the deed back to the seller. We stopped the for we stopped the due on sale clause, got a letter back from Johnson Bank, which is who was, who called the due on sale clause. And then we restructured it with an auto renewing lease option. And why did we do 25 years? Well, because that's how many more years he had on his mortgage. So we said, we're going to lease option this house for 25 years, auto renewing year after year after year. So we don't ever have to communicate with the owner again. And at the end of the mortgage being paid off, our option price was to buy the house for the remaining balance of the mortgage, which is what? Zero dollars. That was a fun one. Um, uh, uh, Heather, I just, uh, hopefully that gave you the example. The reason I chose 25 years is because it wasn't exactly 25 years. It was probably like 25 years and three months, which is how many more payments he had on the mortgage. So we just put that in. Um, and so we repurchased it on a lease option because we knew that the bank was worried about the due on sale clause. Okay. Um, what happens when the seller wants to buy another house? Man, this one has been talked about more than anything. Do on sell clause in this one. So if you want a really long answer, um, go to the Sunday service where I talked about how I bought my last personal home myself. But the answer is this. What happens when the seller wants to buy another house, but the house he or she says um, to me is a sub two and her name that... Uh, you're basically saying, how do you buy another per property using your credit if you left the previous mortgage in your name and on your credit? Okay. Ooh, Thomas Benet says, watched your Cheryl appointment video there three times today in a, in a two. What ended up happening after that video? Thanks for the opportunity. I bought that house. 
That was a great one. We bought that house. Um, so Savad Marketing, how do we let a seller buy another house? This is interesting. We don't get to hear a lot about this on YouTube. I watch all these other really smart, um, intelligent um, people. The way that we do this, and my sub two students know this really, really well, is that we call the bank of the new loan. Okay, so Dave Iarski, one of my sellers, he was actually in the process of buying a brand new home. I almost want to like make a whole Sunday service about this exact topic. Savad marketing, we're going to make this next week's topic. Okay, we're going to make we're going to make um, debt to income ratio next week's Sunday service topic. That's what we're going to do because this is a longer explanation, but it's very simple. And I've never had a seller, Cody and I have never had a seller that we're not able to, to get another loan after I tell you the solution to this. It's very simple. Okay. Um, what, what stops the owner from reclaiming the house after you pay the arrears? Well, the fact that I hold the deed. Okay. The fact that I hold the deed. Um, when the due on sale clause is called, well, why would the, the seller has no rights to the property? I'm the one that has the deed. So this, the, the bank, if they call the due on sale clause, Nancy, I almost feel like we should do a due on sale clause zoom as well, or, um, a due on sale clause Sunday service. So next week we're going to do DTI. Kelly's in here. She's paying attention next week. We're going to do debt to income ratio. And then the week after that, we'll do the due on sale clause. Okay. Pace, when the due on sale clause get called and you deed the property back to the seller, what keeps them from just saying you they want to keep the house now that you've caught up the payments and paid it down? Well, we already have an agreement put together, guys. That's a really great question. But we have an agreement that they sign two things at the same time. They We put the deed back in their property, but we have an agreement that gets recorded against the property simultaneously that protects our interest in the property. Very simple. Man, this was me talking a lot and I didn't even have to use my iPad. Did anybody get value tonight? We have nearly 300 people watching tonight on freaking Sunday service, freaking Father's Day. Did anybody get any? And Lance says, mind blown. Awesome. That's without the iPad. Just imagine I had the iPad and I was, <laughs> bro, that's a sick ass Airbnb you're in right now. Dude, yeah, it's a, it's a dope spot. Some cool art. What's Hiel doing right now? She's looking at you, waiting for you to get off. She's like, let's go do something. And you're sitting here on Sunday service with me. That. Well, she wants snacks. She wants to get Hiel, some what? Hiel. Hiel, you're being summoned. Where's she at? She's right here. Hiel, how you doing? Good. How are you? Are you naked? Is that why you don't want to come on the live? A little bit. <laughs> Love it. What do you? What kind of? What kind of food are you gonna go get? Dude, there's nothing available. It's Columbia. Like everything closes at seven o'clock. That sucks. It's like no snacks. No snacks. So you're not gonna go to like a gas station or something? They're, Closed. Yeah. Some of these other countries, they just everything closes at a certain time. That sucks. <laughs> so you're gonna have to like cook some food or something. I don't have no, anything. We don't have anything <laughs> at all. You can't even order like pizza or something. No. Come on. Well, things be... are open right now, but we're having technical difficulties getting like our cards hooked up to the actual app. So that's the real problem. They have an app here, but you need the Colombian debit card to use it. So 
that sucks. I'm sorry, guys. Yeah, it's okay. We'll suffer all night. Well, I'm sure you guys will figure it out. I'm sure there's got to be late night pubs or something like that. Ingrid, Ingrid, Ingrid says you just don't know the spots, and Ingrid knows. Columbia. We really don't. So if any of you guys have been, yeah, DM Ingrid, DM Hiel, Hiel, do you know Ingrid? Yes, we're in we're in Medellin by El Poblado. We not by we are in El Poblado. Perfect. Um, all right, so Cody and Hiel, we love you guys. We appreciate you. Um, Cody, happy daddy day. I know you don't have a child, but I know that you get called daddy almost every night. So love you guys. And um, everybody on the live, we will be doing debt to income ratio as next week's Sunday service. And then we'll do um, do on sell clause the following week. I want to give these topics a really, really good lengthy conversation. And uh, nobody goes back and watches old episodes. So we're just going to do a new episode all about the same topic. So we'll see you guys next week on Sunday service. Oh, oh, oh.